Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Novak. I'm Chief Innovation Officer at Compass Data Centers, and we are here with another episode of Breaking Glass. I have with me three wonderful young women from MSU who belong to an association called the Society of Women Engineers, um, called SWE many times. So if you hear the word SWE or the term SWE, that stands for the Society of Women Engineers. I would like for each one of my guests to introduce themselves, and I'd like for you to start out by telling our audience what got you interested in joining the science, technology, engineering, and math disciplines. Emily, how about you go first? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going into my senior year at Michigan State studying mechanical engineering. Um, and mechanical engineering is definitely a very hands-on field. Uh, when I was younger, I loved to play with Legos, um, build as much, take apart things as much as possible. And I think that was just a great exposure and, and has grown with me to school and my internship and experience now. And, and I wanted to point out, each one of these young women are interning right now. It would uh, be great if you give us your first last name and who you're interning with, and then, um, and then we'll move on to Noelle. Hello, everyone. My name is Noelle Korean. I'm currently interning at AbbVie, which is a pharmaceutical company based in Chicago. Um, I'm a chemical engineering major with a biomedical concentration at MSU. So kind of what got me into the STEM field was I really wanted to be a medical doctor. And then um, kind of exploring my options for a major. And I realized that chemical engineering, especially with a biomedical you know, focus, allows me to not only work in the medical field, but expand my horizons so I can work in a multitude of industries, whether they be a hospital setting or like a pharmaceutical setting as well. That's fantastic. And Megan, how about you? Hi, I'm Megan Giltmeyer. I'm going to be a junior at MSU this fall studying chemical engineering. And really, I've always been best at science and math, but didn't entirely think I was going to be going to a career in it quite yet until I had a teacher in high school, um, my AP bio teacher, who really encouraged me as a woman to go into the STEM field. And also, she helped me discover um, learning about climate change, and that really spurred my interest into doing an environmental concentration and really working in that field. So this summer, I've had the privilege to intern with General Motors, and I'm really excited where it's taking me. That's fantastic. It's so cool how all of you have different um, degrees that you're going for, but you're all in the same discipline. And what's brought you together is um, sweet, basically. And I'd love to learn a little bit about the benefits of belonging to an organization like the Society of Women Engineers and what that's done for each one of you. Um, Emily, let's go ahead and start with you again. Absolutely. So there's definitely lots of professional benefits. We get to attend national and local conferences, uh, hear from other women in the fields and the experiences they have, just like the podcast does. Uh, but there's also a lot of personal benefits to it as well. You know, we go to campus and we have a group of women in our non-woman heavy classes that we can rely on. And I think it's really just that network of, of knowing and seeing familiar faces is really just something you can't get in any other organization on campus. And networking, that's a very, very good point, Emily. Noelle, are there some other benefits you want to bring up? Yeah, definitely. So when I joined SWE, I was looking for a club or maybe a myriad of clubs that would, you know, fulfill certain like desires I had. So one was community service. One was obviously creating 
a sense of belonging and finding new friends, and then also professional development. And SWE was one of those unique clubs that kind of did all three of those for me. I really enjoy, you know, the outreach we do and all the friends I've made. So it kind of is like a really great place to just go to one club and get everything that you basically could want out of it. That's fantastic. And Megan, I, I just think it's so great that you're interning for GM. I know a lot of folks who work at GM. I know that they're also very, very interested in environmental concerns and issues and tackling those. Um, I've, I personally own GM vehicles because I was so proud of Mary Barra for reaching parity on her board. So shout out to GM and what Mary did there. I'd love to hear your perspective on what you've gotten out of SWE. So one of my biggest challenges, obstacles I've faced as a woman in engineering is just that aspect of competition. Um, both competition with um, my male peers, feeling like I have to prove myself to them, but also in that same environment, it causes a lot more competition between my female peers because there are fewer of us and we're all working on proving ourselves. And so it's a little bit harder to want to make friends with them because of that competition. And so SWE has really provided a space where none of us have to compete against each other. We're all there trying to help out each other, encourage each other. And so that group has been irreplaceable in just learning to work for ourselves and design the lives and the careers that we want instead of what's going to make us look best to our classmates in the classroom. That's yeah. fantastic. You know, I, cause I do believe that networking is so critical and um, having mentors, having people who can advocate for you, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things that um, you can't put a, a price on. And I, I wish I would have had more of it when I was growing in my career. So I'm in construction, which is also um, in the STEM trades. And I think it's fascinating, like, again, how each one of you has a different degree of focus and also working in different environments as interns. And Emily, I wanted to back up to you because I didn't catch where you were doing your internship. So I'd love to learn more about that. Absolutely. So I'm working for Whirlpool this summer and specifically working in KitchenAid small appliances. So um, something like that stand mixer you might have on your counter is in the department that I'm in. That is so cool. And yes, I do have it on my counter. Um, I, I, this is so great. So we have Whirlpool, we have a pharmaceutical company, we've got General Motors. I mean, isn't this fantastic? I really think that um, the, the STEM disciplines get overlooked a lot by half the generation because, or half the, not generation, but half the population, because um, they don't, people don't really understand the different types of jobs you can have in these various areas, right? And it doesn't mean if you're interning in either one of those areas that you're going to end up there, but that what you learn along the way is so valuable. I love that diversity that we have here. I would love for each one of you to kind of go through some of the challenges you face going through both the program and think about it from the lenses of being in class and then switch over to being in the workforce. Understanding, I know you're still in your internship stages, but it would, I know it's, it's slightly different, and I'd love to see what the dynamics are from the classroom setting to the workplace setting. And Megan, let, why don't we start with you, and we'll go the other way. So I would say that the biggest challenge in the classroom is just that the work is a lot more technical, and you have to get everything a lot more exactly right, and there's one right answer you need to get to. And in the same way that that is the hardest thing to get a perfect solution to the right answer, in the workforce, that's also hard because there isn't one right answer. You have to 
figure out maybe something that works exactly in the constraints but isn't necessarily the perfect answer because there is no perfect answer and no one really knows what's going on. I think probably the thing that's been the most useful between the two of them is that both in class and in the workforce, we get to work in teams. And that's one of my favorite things about engineering is I can work with my classmates on a problem, I can work with my coworkers on a problem as I'm at my internship, and kind of always working on that together is really what makes it, connects it and makes it the best. Yeah, I like teammanship. That's wonderful. I like to hear that. Women are, are usually very, very um, good and collaborative on teams. And um, I love hearing the teammanship part of it because all of your colleagues um, come together in a diverse setting, right? And so they all have different sets of experiences, backgrounds, training. Um, and I always like to say, you know, as humans, we only have, we only know what we know, and that is what we've experienced and what we've been taught. So having that diverse perspective on those teams is going to make whatever choices you do um, in the field or in, um, in school a better choice. Noelle, how about you? Um, I would say that the main difference between, you know, a classroom setting and the work setting based on what I've experienced so far is that definitely and might not be the, you know, case for everyone. But in my classes, um, the professors really push, you know, not using outside resources, like, you know, for exams, for certain projects. It's more like you're working either on your own or within this small group and you have very limited resources, which is personally not very realistic to me because in the work in the workforce they're not trying to make you prove that you know everything they don't expect you to so they're like use any resource ask people in the company outside of the company go on the internet use every resource possible because they want to benefit the company and everyone they're not trying to prove that like one employee is better than the other because someone knows more than the other person so i just feel like kind of that gate like it seems almost kind of like a gatekeeping of information almost sometimes in certain projects um it's definitely not there in the workplace they definitely don't want to gatekeep they want to share as much as possible and make sure that solutions are able to you know be achieved whether that be you know on your own or working through or with teams other resources etc that's fast that's so true and it's just so cool that you've pointed that out because again, that's, that makes perfect sense. I, you know, because in the workforce, you know, we do want, I mean, it's, it's all about the bottom line and everybody wants the, the right success. Um, so the team makes mm-hmm. all the difference. So yeah, that's a great, great observation, Noel. Emily, how about you? Yeah, so I'm gonna kind of jump back along the lines of women in engineering here. And Nancy, I'm sure you're very familiar with the term imposter syndrome. Um, I think that looks very different between school and the workplace. In school, uh, like Megan mentioned earlier, you have to prove yourself to these boys in the classes. Um, That means taking on extra work, right? You have to do your part of the project, but then also make the slideshow look pretty because you're the girl in the group, right? And I think that that's some of the differences you see in school versus um, in work. It's someone is just giving you a whole project and you have to rely on your own self-confidence to do all of the work make it look pretty and present it and do all of that. So I think just the level of confidence and expectations between work and school is, is completely different space. That is, um, that's an, an also very interesting observation, Emily. Um, I'm going to point out to you when you, when you guys get out of your internships and take your first offers, you you might be experiencing some of that, um, that you were, you know, that what you're talking about potential versus credential basically or imposter syndrome. 
mm-hmm. um, in the workplace as well. And I and I, I do want to kind of dive in a little bit on that topic. So potential versus credential is um, is kind of a phrase I use often. And what it means, and I'd love to get you guys' uh, reflection on this. What it means is um, both from an employer and, or employee standpoint, um, women have a tendency to really check every box and have a lots of credentials before, number one, before they feel willing to put themselves up for positions or projects or, you know, challenges. And um, companies tend to rely on them to have a lot of credentials as well versus being able to see that they have the potential that sometimes their male counterparts do. And it's systemic. And it's also, you know, one of those things that just um, that happens where you have to intentionally get over that. Right. So it's I mean, I'm a I'm a the poster child for it. Right. I think I probably did three times as many projects as my male counterparts before I demanded, you know, to be promoted. And I had to be able to point that out. And it's kind of silly right now. Some of yeah. some of it's human nature. So before I, I do the, you know, kind of get your perspective, I want to point out that, you know, again, as humans, we only know what we know, what we've been taught, what, we, what we've um, experienced. And it's human nature to kind of relate to those who remind you of yourself that you relate that, you know, that you relate to. So let's say a male um, leader in a company um, has uh, an employee and he says that that person really reminds me of myself. And I see he's got a lot of potential. He kind of thinks the way I do so on and so forth. And it's easier because of the way humans work for them to get to know them on an organic and a personal level, as well as a professional level. It's harder for women to overcome that. It's not impossible, but I would love to hear your perspective on where, you know, where you might've experienced potential versus potential and kind of anything that you have in your kit of tools here that could help, help our audience understand how to overcome that challenge. Noelle, let's start with you on that one. Yeah, so um, I definitely have felt that before, and it kind of connects back to what Megan said towards the beginning, where females always feel like we need to prove ourselves. So when I was thinking about career outlook um, in terms of you know becoming a leader one day, I was getting a little worried. I was talking to my dad, and I said, oh, what if I need to go? I'm like, maybe I should get a PhD and then a JD MBA as well. And he said, you don't need all of those degrees. Like you can just go into them. And he, I think what opened my eyes was one of the executives in the company I'm working with in right now. She um, doesn't have an MBA, doesn't have like any further education besides a PhD because she was originally a scientist. And when I met her at a introducer girl to STEM day, actually uh, like event at the company, I asked, I was like, do you need an MBA to become an executive? And she says, I hope not because I don't have one. So I think that opened my eyes to like women don't need all of the credentials that they think they do. And also I recently um, saw a LinkedIn post about this where a woman posted um, about a job posting she saw and the job posting clearly said, you do not need to check all of these boxes. And they made it aware to, they said people of color and also women tend to feel that they need to check off all of the boxes on the like suggested qualities or qualifications that they're looking for. And oh. they said, no, you don't even need to check off any of them. That's Please awesome. Apply. And I feel like having those kind of disclaimers kind of, you know, make, sh- make the workplace yeah. more inclusive because it kind of gives people that, you know, self-assurance that I can apply and 
I'm still valuable, even if I don't no, check off all the boxes. Thank you for sharing that, Noelle. Thank you so much for sharing both what, you know, what your father told you. And also, I think on the job postings, that's great advice for our listeners. And um, we do, we always encourage them to say like, you know, focus on attributes and not so much on credentials. But I mean, the, the disclaimer is a fantastic idea. That's, that's really good to hear. Emily, what about you? How do you feel about potential versus credential? Yeah, I, I think about when you talked about seeing people um, that, that you relate to. And I think a lot of that really makes um, it company dependent. And, and I've noticed that in my past internships, uh, you know, we talk about it, Nancy, where you are, you are a role model for the woman in your company. Same thing at GM, right? At Whirlpool, we just had a female go into a VP position. As, as students and as women just now entering the work field, that's the most encouraging thing in the world, right? And I think that says a lot about a company on how well they're trying to promote those women in the workplace and um, push them up in the company, whether or not they check all the boxes, right? Whether or not they're um, going to meet every single requirement. So I think it, it really speaks a lot for a company. And there are a lot of companies out there that are really working hard to um, increase that woman percentage in their company, which is great. Yeah, I agree. Th- thanks to Emily. Megan, how about you? Yeah, I also want to touch on the idea of seeing people as yourself, just because I am on a team this summer with another intern. Um, and so our boss says, I see myself in him. And he's told me that he sees me like he sees his daughters. And that's not something yeah. that is unique. I've had other people at other jobs tell me that as well. And I know they think they, they're being supportive because it's somebody they can relate to. They, I mean, they love their daughters. They think their daughters are smart and capable. And so in their eyes, saying that, oh, you're just like one of my daughters is a really big compliment. But also, it's then putting it into like a family, a care role almost of I have to take care of my daughters the same way I take care of this intern at work instead of I see you as a young engineer that I can mentor that way. And so I think one of the most valuable things, at least this summer, is that there were two other women who kind of held the same position as my direct manager, and they kind of noticed that, and they were able to sit down and work with me as well. And so, well, they didn't specifically mention that, oh, we, I seem like they do. Just having women in leadership above has also been really helpful to understand that maybe I'm not you when you were a kid, but there you work with people who could be like me eventually. And so still being able to see what I could potentially be, even if I don't look exactly like my direct superior, mm-hmm. um, that's been really inspiring this summer. That's great. And also just, I've been one of those people who was constantly looking for the good grades. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> Emily and Noel have been similar and understands that search for academic validation. And so I didn't really know what my further education was going to look like once I got to college. But since I've been here and kind of realized my interests and what I want to do, I've decided that I don't want to go into grad school as immediately after I graduate. And that's not to say it's never going to happen. I mean, anything could change at this point. But really understanding that I'm going to get a degree and I have skills now and I'll have even more when I graduate. And that's going to be enough to do what I want to do 
And if at some point I decide that I need more, I can always go back and get more. It doesn't always have to be a constant yeah. pursuit of more and more academic um, well, rewards. And, and a great point, Megan, because um, we, we do tend to over-credential ourselves. And honestly, a lot of companies, if they're um, you know, seeing that potential in you, you know, they're going to sponsor you to go back and get more if they want you to get more, whether it's a credentialed certification, whether it's another degree or certain training. Um, so, I, so I absolutely think that, you know, that's a very wise move on your part and experience matters. So, you know, doing the internships that you're doing and, you know, going and getting, you know, getting in the field and getting that experience, that's um, a wonderful education as well. Yeah, I do want to touch on um, what you referred to when you were talking about your colleagues and how one kind of reminded the bot, you know, his, his superior of himself and, and you of the daughter. It is an endearing thing when that happens, but it's called implicit bias, right? It's implicit bias. And I think it's so important to point out that most of the implicit bias that happens is done with good intentions, but it's still important to point it out, right? So, and I have lots of great stories about mm -hmm. that. And then the other thing you said, Megan, was, you know, having a female leader who can have that voice, the decision maker who can be in the room and point these things out. Because I can tell you right now, as a female leader, when I pointed out implicit bias, when decisions were being made about raises or opportunities or, so, you know, certain things for our employees, when I point this out, in every instance, my male counterpart would say, oh, man, I never thought about it that way. I am so happy you have those lenses and you brought that up. And of course, I'm like, well, how could you see it that way? You, you know, you've not, you know, been in my shoes, right? So having that voice in the room is so critical. And so filling the pipeline is one thing. Advancing the women is another thing. And it takes both of those things to really make a difference, you know, in, in, the, in the workforce when it comes to gender parity. So um, I would love to do kind of a round robin again with all of you about, I would, you know, I'd love to hear like what's the most, you know, surprising or valuable thing, you know, you've gained from, first of all, being in the STEM disciplines, um, which is, you know, your lifelong dream. And then also from being around other women who are in the STEM disciplines, like a, um, with the organization of the Society of Women of Engineers. Yeah, I can kick us off. Um, so I think there is definitely the sense of community. Like we talked about in the beginning with Sweet, you have friends, right? You come in and you have people that you know are going to support you. And what that can mean in the industry, but also just classes is, is amazing, right? Like we talked about earlier, it's the network that is, it's irreplaceable really. And so I think that's something that I hope stays consistent, right? When I graduate and I go to a future company, I hope that, you know, there still is those networks of people that will support me and, and hopefully, you know, men in them too, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's all, it's all supportive people, and that's that's anything that that's all. It's I've like just that whole a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Most most I always like to tell you know point yeah. out that you know when we improve the lives of our women by giving you know more balance or you know different benefits or you know flexibility, we also improve the lives of the men because they want the same thing. It's just that society hasn't really um, designed it the workforce that way up to now, and it's and it's shifting, which is fantastic, right? So. Good deal. Absolutely. How about you, Noel? Surprising or, you know, value? Well, I guess surprising or valuable to have a, to see females in the workplace. I think 
you know, first, like I mentioned before, seeing strong women in executive positions, um, that was not, it wasn't surprising to me, but it was definitely valuable to see that they didn't have to go above and beyond, like in terms of academic credentials to get those roles. Um, they also, um, kind of showed that like kind of similar to what Megan was saying and a little bit of what Emily was saying, you know, seeing yourself and others. Um, I heard this recently, you have to see it to be it. So when you see women in, you know, executive positions or even just in, or carrying out managerial roles, like leading meetings, hosting meetings, taking charge of projects, I think that's really valuable to me because I can see that people are respecting women, listening to them taking charge and respecting their decisions, not kind of just discounting them and showing that we have a lot to bring to the table, not just because we're women, but because we are, you know, great engineers and we have great minds and we bring very valuable ideas to the table. So just seeing our value outside of our identity as women um, kind of just was really valuable to me t- to see that, you know, we're as that. important as anyone I else. I love that. And uh, before I get to Megan, like it's um, when you were just saying, you know, seeing them be respected, not because they're women. I was I was um, remembering back in my early days when there were some young field engineers who were women. And it was interesting to hear the um, the leadership talk about them and be so astounded how, how well they were performing. And it was kind of like, an, and on top of them performing mm-hmm. well, they're women too. Can you believe that? They're like a woman and they're performing well. Isn't that crazy? And it was one of those like interesting mm-hmm. implicit biases, again, meant well. And it was like, well, they're performing as good or better than their male counterparts who are, you know, men. And, um, and I'm like, you know, it's this neutralization of saying these are all field engineers and their gender isn't going to make a difference in whether they're going to perform well. And I love that um, if you can, if she can see it, she can be it. Um, I encourage the audience and, and all of you to go look into Gina Davis's gender in the media studies. She's got phenomenal statistics on it. And that's exactly her. How she, you know, she, she uses that phrase all the time. If she can see it, she can be it. And it's been proven, you know, empirically time and time again. So I appreciate you mentioning that, Noelle. So, Megan, what about you? I think the greatest thing about the community of SWE is you get to realize that every single person and all of our peers have a little bit of I want to change the world in us. And so maybe mine looks like fighting climate change through my engineering degree, um, Noelle's looks like pharmaceuticals, and we need those as well. And some of us don't know what we're doing yet. Um, and the SWE is there to help figure that out too. But everyone, regardless of whether they know exactly how to use it, all of us as engineers know that we want to change the world in some way. And so kind of understanding that it doesn't all have to be the same. We don't have to be able to relate to each other in the exact subject matter that we're all really interested in. But understanding that even though they might not be the same specific goals, they're the same common goals. And because we have those connections, it's really awesome to be able to talk about them and talk about people who are passionate about that or something similar and just work together on that. And the most important part of it that I would say from being able to bring in professionals to talk about it who are a little bit farther along in their careers is that our meetings are not focused around info sessions with companies. 
it's we bring in real people who are working there and we kind of get a glimpse of not just maybe our dream jobs, but our dream lives. Um, because as important as our work is and we all want to get good jobs and make good professional connections, there's also a lot of living that happens on the side of that. And so meeting with professionals who share their hobbies, share where they're living and why they like living there, share that they also have been able to have families at these companies, just seeing a way that you could maybe end up in something mm -hmm. similar and see yourself in all of these different industries that we bring in is also really valuable into seeing yourself as an engineer, kind of going back to what Noel said about if you can see it, you That's can see fantastic. it. That's fantastic. Thank you for bringing up the personal aspect because you're right, there's a lot of living that goes on with that. And by the way, Megan, my youngest is um, a senior at ODU and she's also getting her degree in environmental biology. Um, so she's very much wanting to change the world. Um, and, you know, and, and I have three kids and they're all like, you know, highly educated, but all do it, trying to do what they can to make their impact. So I just, I'm so impressed with all of you. I'm just so impressed. This is so fantastic. MSU has a great program for STEM, for all the STEM disciplines. Um, how, you know, supporting Society of Women Engineers is fantastic. And in closing, I wanted to ask you, um, is there anything that, you know, any compelling question that the three of you were interested in asking me as, um, you know, as, as, as someone outside of your discipline, but also in the STEM trades, um, who's um, seen a few, you know, seen the movie a couple times, right? Yeah, I mean, may, maybe very basic question, but what has been like a very large um, obstacle you've had to overcome being a woman and and maybe some advice on how we can prepare for maybe. I mean, a honestly, bump. the the biggest thing, and I hate to you know put the elephant in the room there, but it's it's literally having a family and finding the time to balance your life. Um, because and remember, you know, being a little bit older than y'all, <laughs> growing up, you know, it was um, I moved a lot. I had to relocate to a lot of the the really large prestigious jobs that I did, and um, and there was always this kind of um, you know. Uh, it's a connotation of saying like, oh, well, she's her flexibility, you know, she's got kids and I'm not sure if, if we can give her these opportunities and really having to always, you know, understand that was going to happen and that I was going to have to be very forceful to continue to get the, to do the largest, biggest, most exciting projects. And in many cases, chase them myself and go, you know, and be awarded those projects so that I could run them um, instead of my male counterparts. Um, I was told flat out, you know, you should think, hard about having another child because, you know, your career is on a trajectory. And I literally said to, at the time, I said, if you're not talking to every one of my peers that are also having kids, then you have no business being in my office talking to me about it. And I, I always like to make sure that what, when I say this, what I mean is, you know, things have been done in very different role, in many roles in very specific ways for many, many years. And um, I have this great um, colleague of mine who runs a, comp a big company and he said to me one time, he's like, I really want you to come, Nancy, and talk with our young women because I have amazing women and I'd, I'd like for them to kind of understand, you know, what the growth pattern is and all of this. And then before he finished, he said, you know, I could never do my job if I didn't have my wife home supporting me because um, she stays home and, and does all the stuff that I don't have time for. And I said to him, I know you really meant well when you said that, right? I said, but what you just told a young professional is that they cannot do your job unless they have exactly what you have at home. And I can assure you that is absolutely not true. 
And in fact, they could do your job just as well or better and do it differently. And that's okay. And I really want people to understand it's not about doing it one way or the other. It's about having the choice and also about knowing that it can be done more than one way. There's many different ways of being successful in, in getting these jobs done. So uh, thank you for that great question. And um, I'm, I'm, I get so excited and so energized when I, when I talk to, you know, beautiful, young, professional, um, talented women like yourselves. Your energy just, just really gives me a lot of hope and excitement for our business. So in closing, I just want to thank you again. Um, thank MSU. Thanks, Sui. Um, I would love for you guys to stay in touch with me. Please reach out, and I will let you know when the podcast is ready to air.